How many of you know this is not a normal hour? Normal Americans are going to sleep through a revolution. One is trying to undo us. Another one's trying to save us. We're in a revolution. We've got to be revolutionaries on one side or the other. And the Lord makes it plain. Either you're for Him or you're against Him. And there are many in our nation that have set their sights to destroy this nation, they're against the Lord. It is of the spirit of Antichrist. I was reading this morning, can I just have my liberty? Because I don't get to preach for the next few weeks, although next week I'm going to be at a conference in Pennsylvania talking about the presidential prayer watch. That's another thing God's put in our lap. A lot of things about prayer. And uh, so it'll be really, really good. And after that, I don't know. We go north and then we go south because her family lives north. My family lives south. And um, it's just the way it happened. I married a Yankee. And, uh, you know, but, you know, it's all right. I, I forgive her all the time, but in my heart, I'm, a, I'm born in Louisiana. And, yeah, one nation. One nation under God. And you know, that's what's happening. There, there are forces trying to divide us in every way possible. A lot of it's it for show, such as what happened this past week. It was nothing but a show. So I'm going to read from my friend Mario Morello. And then we're going to get in the Word. So now, if this applies to anybody, don't get upset and walk out the door. Because if you walk out now, we're all going to know you were upset. But anyway, and then we'll get into the Word. I, I have something I want to release. It's an anointing. Because I wanted just to say, God, let me repeat yesterday. You can't repeat yesterday. How can you repeat? You don't live on stale bread. If I'd have preached on signs and wonders, it would have been stale bread. Now, I'm going to preach on it when we get back because it was, it was awesome. So I'm not going to forget that message. But there's something he wants to... You've you got to walk in in this hour. I mean... We don't even know what's going to happen over the next three weeks. You know that, don't you? The world is it's like, it's like, you know, a powder keg. It's about to explode many things. Our nation. And God is restraining. There's a holy restraint against evil. If it was up to some people, this nation would have already been in civil war. And we're already in civil war. But, I mean, the, war, the weapons, the fight, I mean, the, the bullets would have already been flying. If it was up to some, but it got, I'm glad it's not up to them. And that God is hearing the cries of His people. And he's, we've got assignments to finish. America has a great purpose in this hour. And so that's why you see all hell erupting on TV. And yet there is still a restraint over the land. It's called the Spirit of the Living God. And He's holding back. But he's not going to hold back forever. But anyway, I watched a little bit of that debate the other night, and I thought, God, just a generation ago, people would have been horrified by what we saw. And I didn't even watch any of it. I only watched 30 seconds of it. But that's all it took. I said, God, this is horrible. My grandpa would have... 
They wouldn't have believed. There are people in America that believe such things as this. But anyway, Mario Murillo, I'm, gonna, I'm reading. Is that okay? Can I read? He said, the Democrats have made it plain and simple. Free health care for illegal, illegals paid for you all. They're not hiding anything anymore. They want the right to kill the newborns. They will force the church to stop teaching God's word on sexual immorality. And they will remake America. We see their true colors. They couldn't be any clearer. But what I don't get is how the American church can still think it's still all a game. Because of man and nature, planet Earth is ready to explode. Not from global warming. That's a fraud too. How many of you know that? But from moral cooling. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Meanwhile, the church, like passengers partying on the deck of the Titanic, pats itself on the back, considering all of her big events. And anyway, he goes on and on, and I can't read it all. But then he goes and he talks about how, you know, Google and Facebook and all the media giants, they're beginning to censor ministries. And they're just this close from censoring us all to shutting off the gospel. And he made a statement. He said, there will be preachers in the days to come that will, when it's prohibited for them to say what they wish they had said when they had the chance to say it, in other words. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I said it right. They had the chance to say it, but they were quiet. And they didn't say it, and then there's going to come a day. They'll be censored. And we're just right around the corner from that. There's so many things going on. And many in the church are sound asleep. Now, if you're sound asleep around here, because we don't, you know, he's talking about these churches that are paying no mind. That's not here. We're, I mean, we speak into the issues of the day. But he wouldn't have said that if it's not happening somewhere. So, you know, I, I'm just kind of confined here. There must be places they don't know anything that's going on and they never address. So anyway, I was reading this morning. Can I show you what I was reading this morning? Psalm 78. Look over quickly and then I'm going to get to the Word and just share some things to encourage us. Say, encourage us. You're not going to go out of here discouraged. I hope not. You, we need to draw the line. People should hate us or they should love us. The gospel brings division. It doesn't pacify those that are lukewarm. And much of America is lukewarm. It's not going to happen by, you know, little, little lollipop sermons. It's going to take by preachers preaching the gospel with power and authority confronting sin. And I don't know, I don't have a big voice, but I'm going to confront what I know to confront. I've been shocked, before I even get to this, how many denominations are embracing the LGBTQ agenda. And my mind is, God, they're not denominations. Who are they fooling? They're not serving the living God. They're serving something else. Somebody needs to tell them why they have opportunity. Because God's going to answer these things. I'm, you know what? Who's going to have the final word? God. CNN will not have the final word. They think they're deceiving all of us. No, they're deceiving some of us. Not all of us. Because we're up to their games. But God's not into the game. He's got something much more in mind. Now, Psalm 78 is very special because it's one of the Psalms that I was reading in a dream the night before the election. 
And remember I shared with you how that in Psalm 70, I was reading Psalm 74 and Psalm 79 in this dream, and I woke up the next day, and, and Donald Trump had won, and the Lord spoke to me how there would be a continual battle ongoing from Psalm 74. You would never re- let up. The battle would go on raging every day, and we see that. And then over in Psalm 78, it talked about the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They broke covenant with God. And I thought about that's a picture of much of the church. They've turned back in the day of battle. They're trying to be politically correct. But I'm telling you, God's going to turn up the heat. You're going to have to either serve God or get out, one of the way or the other. Your social, political, correct gospel is not going to stand the fire that's coming. And anyway, and, but also I was reading, and I just happened to be reading in Psalm 78 this morning. And look what the word of the Lord says. Somehow I missed this. I, I know I read it. Many times, but I, I saw it again. Verse 31, the wrath of God came against them. Now, who did the wrath of God come against? His own people that pretended to be his people. And he slew the stoutest of them. And he struck down the choice men of Israel. And in spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in the wondrous works or his wondrous works. I'm telling you, we're going to see the wondrous works of God again in America. And God will define what those works are, not men and their theology that made him into some paper, you know, um, anything goes God. Just go to him and he'll give you what you want. That's not necessarily, but it goes on, it says, therefore their days he consumed in futility and in their years in fear. Now, verse 34 is a scripture I saw that really stuck out. When he slew them, then they sought him. And they returned and sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered their God, that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue. Can you imagine? Lying to God. Do we see any place in the New Testament where people lied to God? For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. He did not destroy them. Yet many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that's going to pass away real soon. Now, I got to get into the Word. I don't know those churches that maybe they're promoting all these agendas. I guess they're out there. I know they're out there. I hear about them. But God's going to have a final word. And verse 34 is going to be something that God's going to trumpet. When he slew them, then they sought him. And they returned and sought earnestly for their God. I'm telling you, the churches of America that are preaching the gospel are about to be flooded with people from everywhere. It's going to happen. We've got to get ready. They're going to come. They're going to be looking how to get in. And we've got to make a way for them. And I don't know how it's all going to happen. We're going to need a big God. That's why he's been stretching us. Because we're going to have to have real faith. Those who had a phony faith are going to be exposed in this hour. Phony faith. You said you believed in God. No, you lied to God. I'm telling you, God's going to have, he's going to pull back the covers. 
I was thinking, um, I'm going to get into the Word. It won't take long, okay? It's going to be an encouraging Word. Say, it's going to be encouraging. I'm not here. I just, I, sometimes I want to go a little bit over the top because much of the charismatic world has made God look like some fluffy, you know, cotton ball that you can do anything, treat any way you want. It's going to give you your own way, make you something famous. Listen, our God is holy. He's holy. He's a God to be feared, and America's going to fear God again before it's all over. We're not going to, anyway, I don't know, I'm just one little voice here, God. You're going to have to help me. And he does, but anyway. So we had, you know, two weeks ago, we had this uh, weapons familiarization class. How many of you were here? Some of us, some of you, what in the world was that? When I first read it on our email, I thought, Wow, God, people are going to think we're raising up an army out there in Moravian Falls. And then you know what God told me? You are. It's not going to be one that's going to win any battle with any, you know, weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And uh, so, Lord, help me to take this on. And, Lord, we just thank you for your mercy and grace and and Lord, we pray for mercy for the churches of America that, that have compromised and they're following a political agenda and they don't want to stick out in the crowd. They don't want to rock the boat. But Lord, would you come and do what, exactly what you said? Lord, would you rock the boats in the denominations of America that have embraced evil? And would you come, Lord, and show yourself strong again. And then God, all those churches, and there are many like us that are hungry for the truth. We're hungry for the move of God. At the same time, you're answering all of those that went their own way. Would you come and send another great spiritual awakening to this land? And we believe you're going to do it, Lord. We'll make a way for them. We'll make room for them. In any way, Lord, you show us. We'll move outside if we have to. And we will have to. But we'll do it, Lord. We're willing. God, we're asking you to save America. We're asking you, God, to arise and scatter the enemies. And Lord, have mercy. Lord, let the last part of Psalm 78, Lord, that you did not destroy them. You turned away your anger. You did not stir up your wrath. Because you remembered that they were just men and like the breath that passes away. God, would you come and show yourself faithful again in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I saw something in Revelation chapter 12. Look over, and then we're going to jump over to Revelation chapter 16 in a moment. But just a couple of things. And then we're going to go and celebrate the coming of baby Soren. Soren is going to go soaring through this place. And I'm telling you, this I believe it's a prophetic sign if you ask me. I mean, I just believe there's something to it. I don't know how the little boy's going to make his appearance, but maybe, I don't, yeah, he's, yeah just smoothly, pain-free, you know, that would be the best if we had our choice, painless delivery, well, maybe he'll come out prophesying or something, I don't know, but we need things like this in there, we need something beyond the norm, we need babies. Oh, man, we need a lot of babies. You know, the enemy hates babies. 
trying to wipe them out. Every time, you know, there are many times in history where the babies have been numbered for execution. And in America, there have been many that have been executed. You don't think God's going to answer the blood that's been spilled for the millions and millions of babies? And those that trumpet their, their right to kill children, that God's going to answer them? I tell you, God's not some wimpy. I'm telling you, he's not as nice as some people say he is. How do you know that? Read the Bible. Most people develop their theology that's wordless. We don't know the Word of God anymore. I've seen things, you know, I said, if they only knew what God's Word said about it, they wouldn't have said what they just said. But they don't know. They've created a God after their own image. And God's going to rebuild His own image in this day. I saw Joe Biden's going to try to remake his image. It ain't going to work. We know who he is. It ain't going to work for any of them. We know who they are. But the problem is Americans, they don't know who God is. And God's going to remake his image. He's the real God. He's the God you read about in the book. The people tell you about him, they only have a little bit of vision. We only see through the glass darkly or dimly. But the whole God's going to rise up in this hour. The God that is God. I tell you, it's a great time to be alive. I hope you feel that. You know, one thing is if, if we're bold in the pulpit, then you'll be bold in the streets. You should be encouraged. You have nothing to fear. And that's what this message is all about. But you wouldn't think that, you know, from what I've said so far. But it is. But anyway, Revelation chapter 12. This is what I saw this week. How many of you know we're in a war? The war is intensifying. It's not going to let up. You're going to have to make a choice. Either you're going to drop out, be defeated, or win. Because you've all, the captain of the Lord of hosts is already gone before you so that you can win. You're called to be a winner. But in Revelation chapter 12, the accuser of the brethren shows up. And we know how they overcome him. And, I, and in fact, it's not the brethren. It's our brethren, right? And we talked about that recently. It's not just about the accusations that come at us individually. We should stand up for the accusations that come against our brothers. Our brethren. The accuser of our brethren. How dare you accuse our brethren? And we have to learn to stand up. And the way you overcome is we know by the blood of the Lamb, by the Word, and by their testimony. But notice in the context, where does the accuser come from? From above. He comes from above and he comes to accuse them before God day and night. Now look over. We're going to look over real quickly in chapter 9, Revelation 9. Now this is an amazing thing. Look, Revelation 9. When we get back after sabbatical, we've got to spend some time in the book of Revelation. Because the revealing, Jesus is the revelation that is being revealed in the hour. He's the one with eyes like flames of fire. He's not the little one that we see on the picture. You know, he is a lamb. He's coming as a lion. And the people need to know who he really is, the real Jesus. It's like, you know, it's like, would the real Jesus stand up? Well, he is. In Revelation chapter 9, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the furnace. 
Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, out of the pit, out of the smoke. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. But then in verse 4, I'm going to just skip through some of this. We don't have time to get in all the context today. We will later. But in verse 4, there's a seal that appears on the mark or the foreheads of all the believers. That mark is what you want. There's one mark you want to avoid. This is the mark you want to make sure you're marked with. Because it says in verse 4, but only those men who do not have... who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads are those that are going to come under the judgments of God. And then you can go ahead and read the rest. But look down in verse 11. And they had as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in Hebrew Abaddon, which means what? Destruction. But in Greek, he has the name Apollyon, which is destroyer. Now, I know that's in the midst of the judgments, the, all the things that are happening. But guess what, guys? We're going to... We're going to start seeing the judgments of God on the earth. So either we're going to, we're going to retreat to try to hide and you know where no one can find us. Or you're going to do the will of God in front of the whole world. He's called us in the world, but not of the world. There's some people trying to, trying to hide out in this hour. Can I tell you there's no place to hide? Now look over Revelation chapter 16, now we'll go back there, but, but Revelation, before you go to Revelation 16, in Revelation 12, referring to those that were under assault by the accuser, it says to them that overcome. So think about it. The enemy's going to come from above, and then from the bottomless pit, he's going to come from where? Down below. Where does that leave us? In the middle. So either you're going to have to, you're going to be overcome or you're going to overcome. You're going to have to fight. Who's Jesus coming for in the book of Revelation? The overcomers. To them that overcome, I will grant to sit with me. To them that overcome, I will give freely. To them that overcome, to them that overcome. So in other words, here we are, we're stuck in the middle of this. We got demons coming from above. The accuser of the brethren, you think we ran him off? I promise you we have not. He will come back. He accuses them before our God both day and night all the time. So the accuser will come from above. Demons like we've never known now are being loosed out of the pit. On the earth. That's why we're seeing the evil that we're seeing and we're stuck in the middle. Gee, my mama told me there'd be days like this. You know, it's, there's no way to go. There's no escape. You, where are you going to go? Who are you going to call? We've said this before. Ghostbusters. We are the Ghostbusters. We're the Ghostbusters. The world's going to be calling us. Dial 1-800-GHOSTBUSTER. That's us. We're the Demon Busters. We don't have a choice. Now, some people think we're going to vacate and get out of it early. You can think that all you want. I'm telling you, we've been made for the battles of this hour. And just like Jesus finished the work that the Father had given him to do, so the church is going to finish the work that Jesus sent it to do. We're not going to limp out of here. We're going to ride out of here. And we're going to have under our feet a whole lots of demonic principalities and powers. Now, and that's what the Bible says. Now, Revelation 16. 
Now, obviously, this is the bold judgment, so we can't get into all of this, except that I'm going to say it's a time of great judgment. And verse 5, it says, And I heard the angel of the water say, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Just say, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Because you've judged these things, for they have shed... Now, this is one you have to stop and think about. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. In other words, payback time. That's what it said. This is payback time. Okay, you've shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. How many of you know that's happening all over the earth today? In India, in Africa, port it's all over. It's happening it's coming soon to a theater near you. There's going to be persecution. If you even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. You just think about living for God. Somebody's going to rise up and assault you in some way. So you just got to take it with like, you know, in one ear and out the other. And wear it as a badge of honor. Wear it as a badge. If nobody's persecuting you, God's probably not saying a whole lot of good for you. Does that make sense? I remember, I'll get to the message. I'll go quick, I promise, because we got to do that. But I remember hearing the story. It was at John Wesley. He was riding on a horseback, you know, on the way to wherever he's going to preach next. And uh, he went one whole day. Nobody falsely accused him. Nobody ridiculed him. Nobody, you know, slandered him. Nobody whatever they just you know he there was no persecution that day and he was riding on the horse he said god where are you you said blessed are those when men say all manner of evil persecute where are you god nobody's persecuted me today so he got off of his horse and he got behind a bush he started crying out to god about that time another man came by and he heard somebody something behind the bush some babbling so he picked up a rock and threw it into the bush Hit John Wesley in the head. John Wesley said, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's, I heard that story. I, we'll have to ask John when we get to heaven if that's real. But it ought to be real. And it should be real. Because you should be being persecuted. You ought to be being misunderstood. Wear it as a badge of honor. It's going to increase. Now, if you've done something stupid and people are talking about you... Don't wear it as a badge of honor. Repent. God, search me and try me. Maybe what they said was right. You know, agree, God. You need to, I need to know, is this really who I am in your eyes? Repent of that. Search. Take advantage of every opportunity. Don't miss, don't miss anything in life. But then if you've settled it all, it's all under the blood, just thank you, God, that I get to be persecuted. Now, here's what I want to lead up to. There were two prayers that we always prayed for our children growing up. One of them, we would pray the priestly blessing every single night. We may have missed a night, you know, we're traveling. But if we ever missed a night, Josh and Emily would come to us and say, Dad, Dad, pray for me. The blessing, don't forget. Whatever, they'd say something. Bless me, Dad. 
Bless me, Dad. Yeah, they would. They'd come up to, and we would bless them. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift his countenance upon you, and give you peace, my son, my daughter. We did that every night, years, year after year after year. Another prayer that we prayed over, now I prayed over my daughter, different things as well, but for this purpose this morning, I prayed over my son that he would have a champion's anointing. From when he was just a little boy, I would say, God, give my son a champion's anointing. Well, guess what? Over the years, we started seeing that come to pass. The first time, well, actually, there were times before, but it was right after 9-11. You know, America, God got America's attention. They all sang Amazing Grace on the steps of the Capitol building together. I don't know if they were holding hands or not. Didn't last long, did it? Now they have knives at the throats of one another. But anyway, they were all in unity then. So anyway, a few weeks after 9-11, everything went back to normal. And so did fall baseball. So we had signed Josh up. I thought they were going to cancel the season. I thought, oh, no. They're going to cancel fall baseball. They didn't cancel it. They just put it on hold until everything went back to normal. So then we went back to normal and... We started playing baseball. And I told my son, I said, now, Josh, the first time you hit a home run, he's only 11 years old, I'm going to give you $50. So we came that fateful day, September, October, maybe October. Yeah, way back then, a long time ago. Josh is 11 years old. He's facing this mean-looking pitcher. And, uh, you know, I just wanted Josh to get a hit. I just, Josh... Just stick your bat out there. You know, I don't care. You just get a hit. Don't strike out. Because he had men on base waiting to come home. And uh, so the pitcher throws. He keeps the bat on his shoulder. That always made me upset. Don't leave the bat on your shoulder. At least swing at the stupid thing. You know what I mean? How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm just being honest. That's the way I felt up in the stands. I wasn't his coach yet. I was going to be his coach later. But at that point, I'm just a dad. So, okay now, son, there's another pitch coming. The next pitch, right down the middle, the bat's on his shoulder. Josh, I'm thinking in the fan, you know, and I'm trying not to look bad. Because, you know, when your son looks up at you, you don't want to be going stuff. You know, you don't want to do that. Don't do that. It's not a good thing. But I'm thinking, George, swing the bat. You, you take your bat off your shoulder and you swing the bat. So anyway, here's the next pitch. He swings the bat. The ball goes over the pitcher's head. Goes over the second baseman's head. Goes over the center field's head. Goes over the center field fence for a home run. Josh, my son, hit a home run. He runs around. You know, the other guys come in and they score. Now, when he's rounding third base, he looks up at me with a big smile on his face. Remember, Dad, 50, you know, remember. And I... I said, oh, no, why did I make? We didn't have a lot of money in those days. $50 was like a lot of money. But I dug it out of the somewhere. I found it. And I gave him 50 bucks. But then I sat back down on the bench, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Here's what he said. He said, some people in the church, many of my sons and daughters have hit singles. Some of them have hit doubles. A number of them have hit triples. 
But he said, I say unto you, in this hour, my sons and daughters are going to get up to the plate and they're going to begin to hit the home runs. They're going to hit grand slams. And a lot of my sons, others are going to come home because they got up to the plate. And it's going to be the harvest of God. And I, you know, we saw it in so many other ways. After that, everywhere we would go, there were champions in the city and the ball teams. Our son was winning championships. That's when I became a coach. And we were winning city championships. It was amazing. We even moved to North Carolina. And they were winning. They, they hadn't won, been in the playoffs in years up here at Central Wilkes Middle School. They were the champions. Goes to high school. They make the playoffs. Anyway, Appalachian State, they not only win a national championship, they go back to back to back national championships. And I'm thinking, God, this is serious. we got to be careful praying this champion anointing. It's spreading all over. And then, you know, over the years, he went to college, and we stopped praying that prayer so much. But God says, I'm about to give it to the church. He's about to give it to the church. Because I want to show you this in Revelation. Let, go back real quickly. Revelation 16. I'm going to wrap it up very, very fast. Say very fast. This is what God gave me this week to release upon you, and I'm going to pray for a champion's anointing. And upon baby Soren. Okay? Champion's anointing from day one. Because you're going to have to have it in this hour. We're not a bunch of losers here. We're overcomers in this life. we got to agree with what God said about us. I know people are saying all kinds of wicked, evil things that are absolutely from the pit. Thank God. Thank God for getting hit in the head with stones. But what God says, I'm an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So anyway, Revelation 16. You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and is to be. So we got to have this kind of an attitude in the midst of the judgments, in the midst of whatever's happening on planet earth, that he is the one who is. Say he is. He is right now. The great I am. He's what you need right now. He is. But he also is the one who is and who was. And we always want to go back to, you know, the cross and the blood and the resurrection. It's part of our testimony. He's also going to be, though, the one that is to come, right? And the one that is to be, regardless of where we are, where we find ourselves. But he's most of all the one. Now, here's what God said. There's four things. Here he is, the one. You, you ready? I pray God will plant it in your spirit. It'll just be launched inside somewhere and you'll never get over this, okay? And we, man, I'm telling you, this is the greatest time, Thomas. You've been standing at that uh, uh, Planned Parenthood clinic, just being faithful, praying. I just read this week, somebody from Winston-Salem said they, they turned aside. Didn't you tell me about that? They saw people praying around the clinic. And they saw a sign that said, you can get the reversal pill, right? A lady. And so she saw the people with a sign out in front of the clinic. She went back, or no, she didn't go back in the clinic. Because they're probably just telling you that just to get your money. But anyway, she went to the right place at the right time and they reversed it. And she had twins. Double. Because people were standing out in the parking lot looking like fools with a sign. End abortion now. You know, get the reversal pill, whatever. Thank God for you. 
Thank God for people that are doing foolish things. It ain't foolish. It's foolish in the eyes of men. You're a champion in the eyes of God. You're standing for life. So who is the one? Number one, here's what you got to remember. Okay, this is what we go with. Number one, he is the one who lives in you. Say in me. That's what separates Christianity from all the religions of the world. Their God is up on some pole or, you know, behind some curtain. Our God is living inside of this curtain. He's inside of me and you. He lived greater as he that's in you than he that's in the world. He said your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we can go confidently. God lives inside of me. Now, if the same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave lives in you, that ought to change everything that you're going through. You know what I'm talking about. Where is God today? He's in me. He doesn't made in temples, doesn't live in temples made with hands. Now, there are people that come here and they have encounters with God and we're all for it and we want them and we praise God for this wonderful place. We're grateful for a place to get out of the rain. But God doesn't need a place to get out of the rain. He's raining inside right here. He's inside of you. Almighty God lives inside of his people. That's why he said, you're not, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your God or your body, which are God's. So he lives in me. Say, he's in me. I said it'd be quick. Number two, he's the one who is with you. Say, he's with me. Now, if you're a believer, you may be lonely at times. When I was single, there were times I would walk into a room and I felt like I was the only one in the room. I, you know, there were times you go through loneliness, but I wasn't alone. I was not alone. And I'm never, you're never going to be alone. I saw a thing yesterday or day before, I don't know. It said they have these robotic dogs that senior citizens are purchasing to bring them home so they, you know, won't, they'll overcome loneliness. They have a companion, a robotic dog. A robotic dog. I thought, God, I'm not going to have some robot. If I'm going to have a dog, I want the real dog. I want the real thing. But they said, no, 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 but it's not a bad thing. They said they're bringing them into these nursing homes, you know, people with dementia, and they're just eating it up. They love these robot dogs, you know, with these robot barks. Row, 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 whatever, you know. And I thought, well, that's great. They're finding ways to help, you know. They probably, they need help. And I, I shouldn't, don't cut them down. You, you might be in that nursing home one day, and, you know, we don't want to be. I, we rebuke that, and we're not speaking that. Don't want to be there. But if I was there, I'd sure want a dog with me. Robot are the real thing. The good thing about robots, you don't have to clean them up. You, don't, you know, you feed them anything you want. But he's with you. He's with you. Listen to Scripture. Josh, Joshua 1, 8. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from heaven. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he dwells with them, and they shall be his people. Psalm 23, we're all going to walk through Psalm 23 one day. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art what? You're with me. He's with me. When he's with you, you can walk through any valley. And you know you're going to come out on the other side. Joshua 1 no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 
All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptize them. And he said, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One time I was reading it and I felt like the Lord said that not only means until the end of the age, it especially means those who are alive on the earth at the end of the age. And I will be with them and they'll know my presence like they've never known before. And then Acts 10, how God anointed Jesus with Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, who with power went doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with them. God was with them. When they go to Kenya, they're going to heal all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God is with them. Greater is he that's with them. So he's the one who's in you. He's the one who's with you. And then he's the one who is for you. I'm not going to go. I, I'll, I'm going to skip that, all the scriptures for that point. But re, it's actually, it's over in Romans chapter 8. It talks about the sufferings of this present age and all these things and all that Paul went through. But then he comes to a place. He said this. He said, if God be for me, who can be against me? And I want you to know God's on your side. How many of you know that? He's on my side. How can he be on my side and your side at the same time? Because he's multi-sided. He's a God. He's with you. He's on your side. You stay on his side. Now, what if you betray him? I think he'll keep trying to get you back. He'll draw you back. But he's for you. He's for you. And that was the last one. I kind of jumped ahead of myself. He's not only the God who's for you. He's the God that's on your side. Say he's on my side. Psalm 124. And this is where we'll close. Psalm 124. Every, are you guys with me this morning? I know his word does not return void. That's what encourages me. And um, I know some of you feel like you've been in battles. You need a little rest. Does that apply to anybody in this place? Man, I'm kind of tired, to be honest with you. I'm going to ask God to give you a rest, okay? There's a rest even in the midst of the battle. There's a rest that remains for the people of God. You can be on the front lines getting shot at. And be at rest. How do you know that? Because he said that. And he said, peace I give unto you. Not like the world. The world takes it away. But what God gives you remains. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now Psalm 124. Here's, now here's a word. How do you know God's on your side? Well, here's how you know. If, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say. Or let, let you now say. Just say, let me now say. Let me now say. If it had not been the Lord, he repeats it, who had been on our side, when, we, when men rose up against us, they would have, say would have. They would have, but they didn't. They would have swallowed us alive. I could think of ways of dying. To me, that would be one of the most horrifying ways to die, to be swallowed alive. You know what I'm talking about. Well, they would have, but they didn't. When, you're, when their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have, say would have, they would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. It's almost like there's something about that would have. Would have, could have, maybe even should have, but didn't. That's the key to it. Verse 6, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. 
Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Can I just announce to you this morning that God is on your side. God is on your side. He's for you. And he's not going to quit. And he's going to prove it. He's the one who is. He's the one who was and the one who is to be. Here's some other things I just wrote down. He's the one who's more, of a, more than enough. He's the one who makes us to be what we've been called to be. He's the one who can do what no one else can do. He's the one who will make a way when there seems to be no way. He's the one who will finish what he started in me and in this place and in you. And he's the one who will make all things brand new. Amen. He is the one. He's the one. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word will not return void. That it will accomplish the purpose that you send it forth. And God, I pray for the people this morning in this place. That Lord, you would release upon them what I saw you released in those days. It seems like everywhere we went. Lord, people we didn't even name by name. We saw champions emerge, and I didn't recognize it until years later that you were hearing my prayers. And God, I pray for everyone in this room this morning, every man and every woman, every boy, every girl, every child, even the children in the womb. God, those that are watching on the web stream, God, I pray in Jesus' name for an anointing to be a champion an overcomer in this life. I thank you, God. It's our destiny. It's written in us. It's part of our DNA. And I call it forth in Jesus' name to emerge in this hour. I ask you, God, right now, by faith, for a champion's anointing to come upon everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray that wherever everything they put their hands to would begin to prosper. And God, there would be not only 30, not only 60, but 100-fold fruit in the lives of your people. There would be breakthroughs and there would be breakouts that could not be attributed to any man or woman, but to the living God who reigns and rules over all. And I pray for that, God. I pray for our sons and daughters. Lord, stir it up again. Our sons and daughters, that champion anointing. We call forth this millennial generation to escape the snare of the fowler. If, if it would have been if the Lord was not on your side, but the Lord is on your side. And we declare it over a generation. And we pray, God, let the snare be broken and let them escape as a bird from the fowler. We pray, God, let a mighty harvest emerge and champions of the faith to break out in this hour. And I thank you for it, God. Holy Spirit. Now, there's going to be a real tangible anointing. Some of you are going to feel it. Some of you won't feel a thing. It's by faith. By faith. By faith. Hey, Dylan, put your hand on baby Soren there, too. By faith. Anybody else pregnant, just put your hand. I heard one of those guys in the debate. I didn't hear it. I heard about it. He said, what are we going to do when men get pregnant? I'm talking about paying God the foolishness of men. 
I've never seen such foolishness in all my days. Only that means, God, that you're about to come in great power. You're about to come and show yourself strong to a wicked and evil and foolish generation that have forsaken God. Lord, I thank you. That's in all of us. Just put your hand on your belly anyway, everybody. There's an anointing. We are pregnant. Not like that foolish man, whoever he was, said. It's the, listen, we're pregnant with the Spirit of God, with the move, uh, moves of God. Movements, they're things, miracles, signs, a harvest that's been appointed to us. Things, answers to prayer, mighty exploits. You know, if you weren't convinced, remember Daniel eleven thirty two. In the midst of all the wickedness, and I believe in the midst of the Antichrist, God says, those who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So, Lord, we thank you. We're the people of God in this hour. We're the ones you've chosen, the ones you've fashioned. Lord, you didn't choose the wisest. You didn't choose the largest, the smartest. Thank God you choose on a different scale. So, Lord, we just thank you. You've chosen us. We didn't choose you. You chose us that we would go and bear fruit. So we thank you now. We pray for the anointing to give birth to all that is in the heart of God in this hour, Lord. Moves of God, even those watching from live stream. Many nations, we pray for the breakout of the Holy Spirit. Moves of the living God to break out wherever they live, all over the earth, God. Lord, we call forth one billion souls to come into the kingdom of God. And we ask you to show us how to do it. We put our hand to the plow and we say, yes, God, this is not impossible with you. Thank you for giving Bob that vision. And we embrace it, Lord. And we think it's going to take a whole bunch of folks to do it. But you're a big and mighty God. And we bless you. Now loose it, Lord. Fresh anointing. Anointings. Visions. Dreams. Some of you are going to start dreaming again. Over the next three weeks, you're going to have more dreams than you had over in the last 30 years. God, I pray, increase dreams and visions in the name of Jesus that Confirm the call and the word of God spoken over the lives of your people. And I thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. You know, the devil tried to kill Susan, too. He failed. He failed. He failed. He failed. God, listen, God is good. Our, listen, if you only knew. He tried to kill all of us. How many of you know literally he tried to kill you? Sometime in... See? He failed. He failed. Oh, God. Let me just, before we leave, I know we have to go eat. No, we have to go open presents. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm going to take a shower. Oh, no. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. I'm just telling you. You got something? Good, come, come, come. My uh, younger brother just went into the ambulance with a heart attack. We need God to intervene right now. My younger brother, Donald. And we need God to intervene in his behalf. We pray right now. Let's just extend your hand. Some of you come up. We pray for Donald right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Donald, in the name of Jesus. We speak life, 
We rebuke death right now. We rebuke destruction. We command Satan, take your hand off of that situation and off of that brother. Lord, we pray for resurrection power. Resurrection power. Lord, right now, reach in to Daniel. We ask you to intervene. Spirit of the living God. Living God. We speak life. We speak life over Daniel. Donald, rise up. Rise up, Donald. In the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that your son, Jesus, would get glory. Lord, we ask you to touch him. We speak life and we rebuke death and we thank you and bless this family and strengthen them. But God, we ask you to be glorified in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Now, we want to pray one more prayer. Anybody here that doesn't know Jesus... This could be the last time you ever walk in this room. could be the last time you're watching. So we just want to pray a prayer. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, that's the only way I know. You, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Holy Spirit has to convict you and draw you. You can't come to Him when you just want to. That's a mistake that many people in hell made. They said, I'll come to Him when I have a convenient time. When I'm ready, you'll never be ready. It's when the Spirit draws you. God is ready. And so you have to believe in your heart that God raised His Son from the dead. You confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord of your life. But if you'll do that and you're watching or you're in this room, you say, I want to make sure I'm saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want Jesus as my Savior. Just pray this and mean this in your heart. I believe God's drawing people. How are we going to see a billion souls if we don't give people? We've got to start with one, two, three, four, five. We've got to start doing it, and we've got to start keeping up with it. And we need everybody in the world to keep up with it. But, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Say, Dear God, I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of the living God, that he died and that he rose from the dead. And I need God in my life. I confess my sin, and I thank you that Jesus died for me. And by faith, I put my sin under the blood of Jesus. I repent. I turn my life over to you. Come into my life, Jesus. Save me. From this moment on, I will live for you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire and the power of God that I would live for you all the days of my life. And by faith I receive you as my Lord and Savior because you promised that whosoever calls upon your name, they shall be saved. And I receive by faith salvation. And I thank you, God. And I give you praise and glory in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Oh